blessed to have the sermon today by Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled, Behold, What Manner of Love, which comes from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to those as, from as far away as New Zealand, I think. Good to see you here. Behold what manner of love. Now, I think I should be able to compress all of these numerous scriptures before the hour of 3 o'clock comes. We'll see. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that's you and me, that we should be called the sons of God or the children of God. But beloved, now are we the sons of God. When we And when he shall appear, it says that we shall be like him. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself, even as he is pure. So there are some requirements to being uh, the ma- see the manner of love that God has given to us at this time. So we are still susceptible to sin and transgression and, and faults in our life, and so we so we have to, at times, be cognizant of purifying ourselves through the blood and through the word of Jesus Christ. We're called to be holy. We're called to be saints. And we're also called to be children of God and also to be born again. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, there was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, and his name was Nicodemus. Now, this name Nicodemus is Greek, and it is from the Greek uh, word that means uh, victory of the people. Nico comes from the Greek word Nike, meaning victory, and Demas meaning the people. So we see that Nicodemus had a respectable and influential position among the Pharisees and among the people. And he came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. We don't know why, really, it doesn't really say, John doesn't really say why he came by night, whether it was out of fear or uh, just didn't want to be seen for some reason. But these miracles that Nicodemus saw and heard about Jesus doing, caused him to go and talk to Jesus about these things. Now, these miracles we can read about now in the pages of the Bible, and we believe that they were done and can be done, but also as the Apostle uh, John wrote, he said that there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. So God's divine intervention in the lives of people today 
you know, are, are not like those that Jesus uh, did that brought awe and wonder to the people that saw these miracles being done in his time while Jesus was on the earth. Verse 3, verily I say unto you, or verily, verily, truly, truly I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, born again, what did Jesus mean? Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is probably an old subject that to uh, many of us familiar to a lot of us but how does this apply how does this statement apply to Christians today does it mean that Christians are assured of salvation that once saved always saved and how is one born again and when is one born again now there are churches that teach that everyone who has received Christ as Savior is now a son of God and has been born again. And that born again mom moment comes when one confesses and repents of sins and is baptized and rises out of the water of baptism. He or she, she is then considered a new creature in Christ and he walks in newness of life as a born-again person. They feel cleansed. They begin making good changes in their life. They begin to study and live in the light of God's word and believe in his word. So they have a new hope and a new outlook on life beyond this one. Each one of us have probably had, not everyone has been baptized, but we all have had that personal experience that drew us to God. And when we uh, were baptized, we felt this hope, this new outlook on life come into our life. And as born-again born Christians, we look for the return of Jesus Christ to being resurrected and entering the kingdom of God. That's the hope that is in each and every one of us to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there are others who explained being born again as a new birth and that it simply means that not doing good deeds, not being moral, not saying prayers or observing any religious duties and that keeping the Ten Commandments is not necessary to being born again. But like newborn babes, they are as innocent as they will ever be. And the only thing one needs to believe or, and to receive the new birth is to just confess Jesus Christ as Savior. So there are various beliefs about this topic of new birth and being born again that exist. But the focus of this sermon this, this afternoon is what being born again leads to. Now there's more to just believing in Jesus because he said... If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. So to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. For unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. In verse 4, Nicodemus replied, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb 
and be born? Surely, you know, Nicodemus knew better that man cannot literally go back into the womb and uh, be reborn. But here was Jesus uh, giving this idea of being born again. But Nicodemus, of course, I would assume, knew that that's not the way nature works. So Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, in verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here's what I'm telling you, Nicodemus, said Jesus. Unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Flesh, you know, flesh is flesh, spirit is spirit. Physical birth is one thing, but the spiritual birth is another. For one must be born of the spirit. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That is, you know, born of water and of spirit. And so Jesus described the kind of spirit that he was telling Nicodemus about. And he compared the spirit with the wind that one cannot see, though we see its forces and what it can do. Verse 8, he said, the wind blows wherever it lists, meaning, you know, this way and that way, and you hear the sound thereof as like you can hear the wind uh, moving through the trees, rustling around the leaves, or around your ears, but you cannot tell whence it came, when it comes, and where it goes. So is everyone, it says, that is born of the Spirit. So those born of the Spirit, in essence, he's telling us, you're like the wind. What can one really say, however, about the wind? How can we describe it? Now, we know that the air is made up of things we don't see with, with the naked eye. Things like, you know, atoms and molecules that make up gases and energy and life-giving oxygen. We know that sunlight passes through it. We can walk through it, the air, this, the, the wind, but we do not see it. And unless it is a strong wind that blows us back, as in a you know, hurricane force wind, we can feel the wind and see what it does. And runners know whenever they're out jogging or right in a race, they feel the wind as they pass through it. And more familiar to us, I guess, is when football teams uh, choose to have the wind at their backs to start the game. And like ships upon the sea, they uh, use the wind to make them go forward. Now, we know some time ago when we had the uh, high winds and, and the storms and the tornadoes here, uh, down 145th, you know, there were a lot of big trees that were blown across uh, the yards and shingles missing from some of the roofs of the houses so we can see what the wind does. So in essence the born again creature cannot be seen but can see what we can see and feel its effects. Nicodemus answered how can these things be? And Jesus answered are you a master of Israel and don't know these things? Do you not understand what I'm telling you, Nicodemus? So Nicodemus surely 
understood the spiritual side of things. He was a master in Israel, teaching others and perhaps used these physical analogies to explain the spiritual like Christ did. He was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, and that was the governing body of rabbis, and he was looked up to for his knowledge of the scriptures. And he also knew that the rabbis, the religious leaders of that time, had some bad feelings toward Christ, toward Jesus. But Nicodemus, nevertheless, wanted to know what Jesus was teaching because the miracles that Jesus did could not be possible unless God was with him. Then said Jesus in verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Remember Jesus, he used earthly parables to teach spiritual truths like that of the sower and, and the kingdom of heaven. And he used the wind to explain the spirit that he was telling Nicodemus about. So Nicodemus must have known that no man can enter back into the womb and be born again because really that would be an unbelievable miracle. But Jesus was spiritually speaking about being born of the spirit. That power from on high that gives man the means to be born again through the Holy Spirit. In us, having repented and, and been baptized, we're still earthly human beings, uh, subject to corruption, and we're not immortal spirit yet because we're still subject to human nature, carnal desires and, and sinful temptations that can cause us to be shipwrecked, like the Apostle Paul said, would happen. But with the gift of God's Holy Spirit in us and being fed by the living words of Christ, we can overcome and be ready for the coming day when we are born again as immortal spirit beings. But we must be ready. We must purify ourselves in, in order to be born again when that time comes. But of that day and that hour, who knows? So when we repent and are baptized, we receive the Spirit of God and become His children. Yet we're still subject to sin and deceptions by the evil one with you know, the lies and the, the deceptions that he spreads and deceives the whole world with. So we know that the devil is looking for an inroad into our personality into our being to spot uh, some sort of uh, something that will cause us to trip up and make us fail so we have to ha so we have to stir the spirit up sometime especially when we feel low and we must abide in Christ Jesus so we are to be careful to not cut the cord that is the spiritual lifeline to our growth in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it must be re re renewed day by day, from Sabbath to Sabbath, and fed by the word of God through prayer and doing God's will. And the time coming, when the Passover time comes around, 
We read about the bread of life that Jesus Christ said for us to eat. But if we sin willfully and we do not repent of those sins, we are on a course to abort our faith and not be born again. So being born again is a serious matter that we should consider. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 29, I won't read all of the verses, but how do we know the Father? Verse 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. So here are these little children. Here's the brethren. Here are the people. And he's saying for them to not sin, to transgress the laws of God. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if we sin and we, we realize it, we know that Jesus is there by the covering of his blood to, for forgiveness and atonement. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, he that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Drop down to verse 15. Writing unto the little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake, but love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there are things that we cannot get involved in that would take away and distract us from the love that we have for his word and for Christ and for God. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. On down to verse 23. Sometimes in these troubles that we face and in the things we see we wonder well where is Christ where is God and we're told to not give up on Christ because it says that whosoever denies the son verse 23 has not the father and he that acknowledges the son, the son has the father also but that therefore abiding you which you've heard from the beginning if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. So this is what being born again leads to, and that's eternal life. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and his truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. 
So now, verse 28, now little children abide in him. <clears throat> we know that words have power. They can touch our souls, our hearts, our minds. You know, we know we hear speeches of politicians which can move uh, people into doing good or, uh, or not doing good. So the words that we are probably familiar with, especially with our loved one, our children, our wives, our husbands, when we say, I love you, it can touch the heart with good feelings of cheer and, and hope, which, you know, are spiritual forces, just like the wind that we cannot see, but we feel. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that, he, that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That's how we live. We live through the words of Christ. Herein is love, not that he, we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. He knew human beings would be weak, that we, we would, could falter at times, but that we have Jesus Christ as the propitiation, our advocate for sin, covering our sins. So, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And it says that no man has seen God at any time. But <clears throat> hereby, verse 13, know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Now, some interpret this born of water as meaning the normal physical birth process that takes place in every human birth when they enter into life. And some interpret it as uh, water baptism. It's, it's easy to see that comparison being made, but we know that when the water breaks, a, a child is on, his, uh, is on its way. And when a person breaks through the water of baptism, he or she is pulled through by helping hands to become a new creature. In Christ. Now, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Romans 6, verse 3, we're to walk in newness of life. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized to his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into, into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. We have that uh, witness in, from the uh, pages of the Bible. That as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also in the likeness, uh, be in the likeness of his resurrection. Some uh, 
may wonder, well, after all this, the visit with Jesus Christ, did it cause Nicodemus to change his ways? In John 7, the Jews and the religious establishment were seeking to kill Jesus, and the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. In verse 37, down to verse 37, then in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, he spoke aloud, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his body shall flow, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But the Jews, they wanted to find him because they wanted to kill him. And then it was Nicodemus who spoke up to not be so quick to judge the appearance of where Jesus came from or who he was. And so he rebuked those Pharisees for harboring such a thought. He knew for the miracles that Jesus had done that God had to be with him. So Nicodemus in a later verse, we know that he became a follower of Jesus Christ. In John 19, verse 39, we read where he took part in the preparation, the anointing, and the burial of Christ's body. So in being born again, there is also a concept in which some say, and this is, can be a puzzling uh, thought that they use to explain the born again, they say that the real man, that's the one on the inside, they say, is spirit operating through the soul. That is man's intellect and emotions, which in turn operates through the physical body. In other words, man's spirit and soul lives in a physical body, and at physical death, the man in his soul leaves the physical body and goes to their eternal home. So the implication is that man does not die, that man has an immortal soul, and at death he goes in all living in, in heaven or, or in hell. 1 Peter 1.23, it says that man, mankind is, is born of corruptible seed. For verse 24, four, skipping on down, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, that the grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. So we are born mortal, but our destiny is to be born again as immortal spirit beings. How does that happen? By being sanctified through the word, because thy word is truth. It's what leads and guides us by being made clean through uh, the washing of water by the word. Ephesians 5, we see where Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. In verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy. And without blemish. This is what is being accomplished in, in our lives. 
that leads toward being born again. So we're a kind of first fruits. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of glory, Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of Christ. So lay apart, verse 21, all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. <clears throat> Jesus is a vine. And great is he that is in you, it says. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Revelation 22, I'm just going to go through these. Revelation 22, 14, there is this promise. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gate into the city. Romans 6, verse 1, 2, and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of by the authority, that is, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It leads to everlasting life, to that born-again moment that is yet to come. So, verse in 2 Corinthians 4, we have, verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is, you know, perishable clay, that, which is our fragile a human body, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So, verse 8, we're troubled on every side, yet not distress. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So this body of ours is always facing death just as Jesus faced death when he was in human form. We know that the aging process breaks, as it breaks down our immunity to disease and deterioration of our muscles and joints. But if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Thoughts turn to the word of God. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, 27, new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Romans 8, Verse 8, there is therefore now 
no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Ephesians 2, in times past, verse 2, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Galatians 5, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we learn of Jesus. We learn to follow his uh, example of love and faith and hope. Skipping on down to Romans 8. Skipping several scriptures. But if you have the, the uh, sermon outline there, you can always refer to those scriptures and read about the things that are left out. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wits the redemption of our body. So we see the sufferings of the world. We see the tears. We see the pain. We see the death toll that's taking place. They affect all of us in some way. But we know that there is an end to all of this. It's in the words that Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. Therefore us today, that one must, must be born again, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. If we live in the spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. The spirit of love and joy. And patience and faith and hope. And also to rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. I'll close with 1 John. The scripture we begin with. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what sh uh, shall be, but we know that when he shall be, but we know that he sh we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So when we keep this hope in mind, we purify it ourselves and as Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again and that's a, that's a good reminder for each and every one of us these words that you must be born again that we have to apply ourselves to this to this statement